0: Hola, mi gente, and welcome back to another episode of EntertainX, where we highlight the work and achievements of different Latinx individuals across the entertainment industry. I am your lovely host, Ingrid Nin, and today I'm speaking with talent manager Carolina Aldui. Carolina is a New York-based talent manager and former publicist. In 2006, she began a career in public relations at Columbia Records' Sony Music, where she helped develop press campaigns for international artists including Beyonce, John Legend, and Maxwell. She later worked on publicity campaigns for several brands, including Hennessy, Netflix, and Latinx digital conference Hispanicites. Carolina graduated from Hunter College with a BA in English Language Arts and a minor in Urban Studies. She is currently a manager over at Three Arts Entertainment, where she mostly works with comedy writers and multi-hyphenates. Her goal is to create significant opportunities and visibility for underrepresented groups in film and television. So hey, Carolina, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Ingrid? I am doing good, doing good. Thank you so much for coming on today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yes. uh, I've been, like, wanting to bring you on for forever now just because, like, you know, we work together so much and I'm just like, I need to bring her on. Like, she is that girl. Thank you. No, I'm so happy
1: that I can do it. I mean, I love anything that highlights our people, so
0: here for it. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, like, I feel like, too, like you're my good Dominican sis. So I just like, you know, (laughs) we see each other. Every time I see you in my inbox, I'm like, I see you, girl. I see you. I see you with the moves. A hundred percent. Same. Yes. (laughs) So I know that you are a CUNY alumni just like me. Yes. So tell us a little bit about like your journey and like how you started out, you know, studying English and urban studies and then branching out from there to go into the music world.
1: Yeah, totally. So it was kind of interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot because for me, going into just corporate world period had a lot to do with a lot of deliberate, intentional action taken upon by this organization that was looking to work with people of color, you know, mm-hmm. specifically Latina. So as early as I think it was my s- junior year of high school, you know, there was a program that was essentially teaching kids to like Do resume building and interview skills and all these kinds of great, you know, skills that you need when you go into your career. When I joined that program, I made some great relationships and I was able to stay connected to my mentors from there who were from across different corporations. And when I started college, which I went to Hunter College, I reached out to one of the mentors that I had stayed connected to and she had wanted me to fill a position at HBO. So that was actually my very, very first job while I was in college. It was not music related. Oh, wow. It was actually working as a part-time assistant in HBO, working in the human resources department. And at the same time, in conjunction to that, while I was in high school, I was also like this big chemistry nerd. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, whatever. I don't think I wouldn't consider myself a nerd, but I loved chemistry. I loved Mm -hmm. chemistry and I loved math and I was really good at it. I was like in all the AP chem and the AP math classes. Yeah. And so I actually got into Hunter on a scholarship for chemistry. And I thought that I wanted to use it to be like a doctor, you know? That's crazy. But yeah. And I quickly learned that I do not like science that much. So I was like, uh, something in my soul felt like really my purpose was more like an entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, I'm here on a chemistry scholarship. They didn't force you to like become pre-med or anything like that but I dabbled in some science classes in like I think my first year Mm -hmm. like I said at the same time in tandem I was working at HBO so literally I was a week into school about to start looking for part-time jobs and my mentor reached out to me and she was like we need to fill this position would you be willing to do it and I was like yeah And so it was perfect. I worked there for three years of my college career. Well, to answer your question about the majors, you know, I was also doing urban studies because I just felt like city planning and creating communities, you know, that cater to our communities was what I wanted to do, you know. And then Mm -hmm. I just figured, like, I loved math, so I was taking statistics at the same time. I was kind of like of the school, like, take everything that you love, you know? And these classes all seemed very interesting to me. Like I had dropped away like the science stuff because I was like, okay, I don't want to go into pre-med. That's not the path. But let me just take these classes like urban planning and statistics because that felt right to me. And then I was also at the same time taking a lot of English classes because they seemed interesting to me, too. I never went into school thinking I have to choose one thing. Like I mostly was like let my internships kind of dictate my path in a way. And I'll just take what I love, you know, and those were just happened to be the classes that I love, maybe like around, you know, midway into sophomore year, I was like, okay, I don't think urban planning is it again, still working at HBO during this time. I don't Mm -hmm. think urban planning is it. So but I'll keep it as a minor, I have enough classes to keep it as a minor. And I'll just keep taking English classes, you know, because statistics went hand in hand with urban planning, basically, you needed to kind of understand numbers to understand the planning side of urban planning. So a lot of urban Mm. planning majors took those together. And I was like, perfect, because that's my jam. But then I made them both double minors. And then I just kept taking English classes. as I was like, this excites my heart, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) these like creative writing classes. And like, classes that taught like classic English books and all this stuff. Right. That wasn't my jam. So kept taking those, was working at HBO. And when I was, you know, in HR, part of the reason why I joined that particular department was because they had a sub department that was called organizational effectiveness, which was what I was part of. And in that department, we would take like funds from HBO and give them to like inner city schools. Right. So I was like, that's what I want to do oh, again. Wow. All kind of in line with the urban planning world of it all, you know, Mm-hmm. There was some sort of science to my madness in doing that. I decided that I love it. I love like what we're doing here, but it like the day to day job was not for me. I wanted to be more creative, you know mm-hmm. again, going back to the program that I was part of, I had a mentor that worked at Sony Music. And I was like, I love music. I love promoting things, (laughs) you know, and I want to just be more creative. You know, I love events and things like that. And it all kind of sounded like public relations per my mentor. Mm -hmm. And so he agreed to help me get an internship at Sony Music. And so, yeah, so I took a really big leap of faith. Imagine, you know, I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell anybody. I was just like, I am going to make this decision for me. Even though, you know, a girl from Washington Heights getting a job first day, practically into college, getting a part-time job at HBO, you know, I think sometimes my father still thinks I work at HBO. <laughs> 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 so, like, so like, that was really big for everyone, you know? And I was just like, so focused, like, now nah, I need to do what I need to do. It doesn't matter where I am. So I didn't tell a soul. Well, I told one person that I worked with at HBO that I was like trying to transition out. And she was so helpful to me and just like navigating that process. Anyways, long story short, I was able to get an internship at Columbia Records, which is under Sony Music. Mm -hmm. And that really set off my PR career. And yeah, then in doing PR, you know, my last year of college, like, yeah, just keep taking English classes, be an English major. It just all made sense because of the communications part of it.
0: So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, the humanities part of it, too, that, you know, Mm -hmm. I think so many people underappreciate how much learning from stories you can actually gain and looking at the human lens through those stories and seeing how people interact, communicate work. And, you know, I think that's what just makes people better storytellers and better interpreters of the world itself. So that's super, super cool. And, you know, I've also had that, like, you know, relatable thing, too, where my parents never really understood what i was doing <laughs> <laughs> right when i was trying to find my path to you know yeah it was so funny that he said oh he probably still thinks i work at HBO <laughs> like my parents probably still think the same thing they yeah. do not know what i do right no i mean by now my <laughs> father gets it because i've explained it enough times okay okay but, you know and then for a while he thought i
1: still worked at sony forever you know and then it's like yeah. Because they recognize the names, too. You know what I mean? So it's like. Exactly. You know, these are like global corporations that they just understand, you know, in terms of my day to day. That's a different story.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So how was working, you know, at Columbia Records at Sony? What did that look like for you? That was like a dream come true. Honestly, I could not have
1: had a more like amazing start. You know, I came in. I started working for the senior vice president of the media department. At the time, she ran the media department for the artists, both for Epic, which was our sister company, and Columbia. And, you know, this was when John Legend was putting out his second album. She brought in John Legend. You know, she reps and still reps to this day, the Girls of Destiny's Child, you know, Beyonce's longtime rep. Like, Beyonce was putting on her second album. Adele was being signed. Literally, I was there when Adele was signed. That's crazy. Like, my boss went to London with another, you know, really big publicist. And they went to London to sign Adele together. And I remember seeing Adele just being in the office with her. And, you know, (laughs) just like, it was just surreal thinking about it now. And, you know, I worked for someone who I felt was kind and I think that was most important like when I interviewed with her she was just so kind-hearted like we spoke for like over an hour like we were crying
0: I think like it was just like
1: (laughs) it's funny because I went to her birthday this past year in November we had like a big dinner here in New York
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: we were like going around the table telling stories about like our time with her or whatever and then her best friend who I've known forever since that time since I was like you know she was like you know Yvette is her name, Yvette Noel-Shore, you know, Yvette always talks about how the first time you guys met and like how you were talking for over an hour and she just knew and like you were crying and I was like, oh my God, like I forgot (laughs) about that, but it was true. So anyways, that made it amazing because I was coming into a really supportive environment, you know, like where people really believed in me and I was working with the best. I mean, you know, and even just knowing John and, you know, and B, like, it was just like, these are good people, you know? And so I couldn't ask for a better start apart from being like freaking superstars, you know, they were just good people. They were kind, you know, and are kind. And so I think that was really important for me because, you know, you know, this business can be so cutthroat, you know, entertainment business generally, and knowing to come from a place where you're working with the best of the best. And, you know, they don't have to be, a-holes you know Mm -hmm. I think it grounds you in a way and it teaches you a lot and it helps you move with the integrity that's I think necessary to succeed and to just be happy with yourself in this business you know that was a great kind of learning for me so so yeah I mean but it was wild one of my favorite memories of that was releasing Maxwell's first album after eight years of him not having an album and being so hands-on with that being so involved and like so excited about it and just like invigorated with the whole process, you know, that's where I made all my contacts. That's where I, you know, knew who all the players were and all the big, you know, outlets and Good Morning America and the New York Times and in Rolling Stone. Like, that's where I really got my feet wet, you know, and I had a lot of responsibility early on and it all felt very natural to me, honestly, and at the same time, exciting.
0: Yeah that's truly like to start with a bang you <laughs> know like that's freaking insane to me yeah like you know and how fortunate it is to have people around you who will uplift you and motivate you in the way that they have for you is truly a gift yeah you know and I think that shows people how important like mentorship is mm-hmm. how important building your community and your network around you is because mm-hmm. it really does take a village to like uplift you and mm-hmm. then you to help uplift everyone around you
1: totally and I mean we're still friends like literally like I said I mean till this day I mean that like I can't even call them friends like they're family like that whole PR team that I worked with like we're still like super supportive of each other super cool like you know after Sony Yvette started her own company and I went with her and I was her lead publicist for a bit and you know I was like her right hand for a really long time but everybody of that team, and actually some of them still work with Yvette, is literally like family. Like we go on trips together. Like, <laughs> like it's literally like, I think we were always kind of like the envy of, I hate using that word, but the truth is when I think about it, like people just really looked to the team and said, wow, like you guys are still like friends. Like you still, you know what I mean? Like it's not that common,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like too, you've had a lot of like representation experience while doing all this PR work, which kind of makes sense for you making that transition to going into like management. So what kind of inspired, you know, going towards that path instead of staying on the PR track?
1: It was funny because, you know, I kind of shocked myself. I think I was still very young. I mean, I literally started at Sony when I was like 19. Wow. You know, so it was like so early and I was still really exploring like, okay, like, do I want to stay in PR? Like, it's all very fabulous, you know, and amazing. I still had questions, you know, like, I was still like, okay, I know that I'm walking the path, but like, I don't know if I necessarily want to do it for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? And a lot of people have, you know, like I know a lot of my friends from back in that day, again, a lot of other people outside of the PR team that still really good friends with, like best friends, they took other paths too. Like it's just, you know, you just try on different things, you know? And I was like, I need to explore, you know, around like maybe 23, 24, 25, that age, I was kind of feeling like, okay. I feel like there's other things I should be exploring, you know? And so I tried on the agent hat for a little bit. And this was with a very small agency that represented celebrity hair and makeup artists. Mm-hmm. And I just joined them because I was like, I feel like there's something in this world that I need to like know. And I felt right. Like working on a commission basis and like representing artists more holistically, not just working on their PR side felt right to me. And I was like, I'm hitting something here. Not only that, that agency is run by Latinos. And I was like, for the first time, I was exposed to Latino press. And not that I didn't know it, you know, I grew up around it. But like, from a work perspective, it just wasn't like I knew Black press, like I knew the essences and the jets and all of these like Black outlets. And I knew the general market press, I knew the GMAs and the, you know, like I mentioned, the New York Times and the Rolling Stones, but I didn't mess with Latino press because quite frankly, we just didn't need it while I was working with the kinds of artists that I was working with, you know? Mm -hmm. But then working in this agency, then now a whole nother world was cracked open to me. And I was just like, why am I not embracing this? Like, this is (laughs) a inherent skill that I have (laughs) I can speak Spanish I can write Spanish like I can communicate well in Spanish so why would I not take advantage of this world you know and use that as an asset and so that's kind of twofold what it did for me it showed me what I could be as a rep and it also exposed me to this other world of Latino media or Latine media I should say in doing that, it sparked something. I mean, I still kept doing PR, by the way. And I was kind of a little bit disillusioned on the music side with PR because having come from a label, you know that a lot of stars have to align to really create the Adele's of the world. I mean, Adele is exceptional, right? And Beyonce is exceptional. John is, like, you have to have these exceptional people. But they were, like, smaller talents that, you know, I saw that didn't make it, that I was such a champion for, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and so I knew what it took to really, truly, you know, succeed. And it was a little disheartening for me because I was like, I know I can't do it on my own, you know? And so I was like, I'm going to step away from the music side and I'm going to go into more other kinds of PR. And that's when, at the time, I had started working independently and I was working with all kinds of, like, events and brands and, like, you know, basically just doing it on my own terms, you know? And I wasn't necessarily focusing on the music side, even though people – did approach me for music stuff I did keep dabbling on that side but I wasn't like as
0: excited about it anymore you know yeah it just wasn't your passion you know you kind of grew out of it in a way
1: yeah I think so I think I kind of grew out of it and I saw just more potential in working in other areas you know mm-hmm. so yes yeah, so I kept doing PR I did do that stint where I was like an agent which kind of sparked this thing in me and in doing that I was like oh I think somebody had called me, a friend of mine actually from that same team from Sony and was like, oh, somebody's looking for like a Latino lead to work with them for this company. And I was like, okay, cool. I mean, at the time it was very like, you know, I'm kind of putting it in a nice box with a nice ribbon in it. But it was like the time when I was really exploring the things that I wanted, you know, Mm -hmm. and trying to figure it out. And when this opportunity came, I literally had said, universe, whatever you want to bring me, I'm going to do it, you know? I kid you not. I think within like two days of me saying that I got that phone call and I was like, I hear it again. I was like, because I had done the agent thing, I was kind of almost on my way out of Mm -hmm. PR completely. And then I got this call within two days and I had already made that promise to the universe and to myself. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take it. And then, so that opened up more PR opportunities for me because I had this whole other skill set, right? So then I was being called on for that, even though, like, I knew the general market, now I knew the Latino press, and now, you know, black press market. Like, so I had all these skills. And so I was being hired for all this kind of stuff, still in PR. And then after a bit, I decided that I wanted to start my own company. I had moved to Miami for a couple of years just because I needed a break from New York. Mm -hmm. And also because, I was inspired. I had already been to Miami just like for personal vacation and stuff, but like I had gone for work and I realized like, oh, Latinos like run Miami, you know? (laughs) So I was like, where can I go that I'll not be too far from home where it's going to be warm? And, you know, then it was like an added bonus that like, this was like where Latinos were. Again, going deeper into that side of things, I was like, well, I should go there. And so I continued to do PR there. And then I realized like, I need to start my own company and you just work with Latino Talent and that's what I did.
0: (laughs) I love that. You were just like, let me go where my people are. (laughs) Yeah. Not that your people aren't in New York, of course. Like they are. But Miami is truly like a different beast, you know? It is. And it's in more ways than one, you know, because
1: I think something that I came to realize, and it's like I met some incredible people. I have some incredible friends that are still my friends from living in Miami. But also I realized Miami is also run by, well, we all know what Florida's like. you know yeah, yeah. I mean, Miami's a little bit more liberal, you know, you know, it's not the same kind of Latinidad that you see in the Northeast, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of a eye-opening moment for me too of like, as an Afro Latina, you know, I was like, not that common down there, you know? Yeah, that was kind of like, okay, you know, they do run it, but you kind of see who runs it. And again, like, no shade, there's a lot of incredible people there. But I just also felt a little bit othered, you know, Mm. in that sense, whereas New York, everybody's Afro Latino, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's insane to me. It was so amazing, nonetheless, to see a city in the U.S. being run by Latinos, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that shows how, like, you know, colorism is still (laughs) such a huge problem in the Latino community. Yeah. You know? No matter where you go. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. So how did you, you know, you're running your own business right now, doing your thing in PR. So how did you end up over at Three Arts then?
1: That's a great question. So I think that, Something I didn't mention was like, maybe like 10 years ago or more, I always had this little inkling that I wanted to work in Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't quite follow it. Maybe, you know, even again, having worked with like these huge talents and being in the Northeast where, you know, you have this huge entertainment market, I still felt a little disconnected from the West Coast and from the idea that I could really be a part of Hollywood, you know, Mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy to say. I dismissed that idea a few times. Like, I remember a handful of times, like, thinking, like, oh, like, I could be in that world. And then, like, meh, nah, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Like, that's silly, you know? Yeah. So what I decided to do when I started working with, you know, the town that I was working with, I realized, like, I was kind of across different industries. I was, like, in music and beauty and TV and film and like philanthropy, like I had kind of clients that span that range. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to like hone in onto the thing that I really cared about the most deeply. And when I really started doing some soul searching, and I think Start With Why is a great book for anyone, Simon Sinek, Start With Why was a really influential book for me. I mean, I think, you know, you do a lot of soul searching in your 20s and stuff. And like, there were a lot of influential books. I should say, but that one I can remember specifically like thinking, okay, let me reverse engineer my purpose here, right? Mm-hmm. And In doing that, I started realizing like all these kind of moments in my life where I was like, I felt a deep sense of erasure for our community and being Latina growing up in New York City and truly living kind of this dual or multicultural experience. I was like, why don't I see that? You know what I mean? Like, I remember picking up like Latina magazine and for the first time feeling identified. I mean, I remember going back as far as like reading The House on Mango Street and feeling identified, you know, and then Latina magazine. And I remember when Mundos came out, (laughs) you know, and you had like a music video countdown that had both like, you know, English language and Spanish language videos or Latino talent and all other kinds of you know artists as well showcase like and that was so and then the bjs would speak bilingual and I was like "Whoa!" you know like <laughs> this was like so cool to me you know so I was like I remember that I'm trying to remember because like I could count on one hand the times that I felt identified you know and so like those were a couple of the moments that I felt identified I felt like a deep sadness. And I hadn't even realized it. Like, I was like, why is it always like, we don't see ourselves. Like I grew up watching Martin and full house and, you know, family matters and fresh Prince and step-by-step and all these Mm -hmm. sitcoms, right. You know, friends Seinfeld. And again, just didn't see like, Oh, George Lopez coming out too. I know there's been some controversy, but George Lopez was somebody that I really admired too, because again first time late night show when his late night show came out when his sitcom came out I was like whoa you know
0: can I tell you that his sitcom is probably one of the first time I remember as a kid identifying like Spanish language and Latinos on TV outside of like Dora the Explorer because I was like maybe like eight or nine when I remember watching like Nick at night George Lopez reruns you know so it's so crazy
1: yeah, and it's so crazy because then through one of my clients, I met another. This was when I had started my company. I had moved back to New York. Mm-hmm. And I met this writer, director, actor, producer. Her name is Paloma Valenzuela. And she created this series called The Pineapple Diaries. And she is from Boston. It was just basically like a Latina insecure, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, you know? But it was very unique in itself because she's actually Dominican and her mom's Jewish you know so like her dad's Dominican her mom's Jewish she grew up with both of them they're still together you know and like she has this crazy experience you know like of these mixed cultures right yeah and so I just really connected with that then clicked in me like oh this is it like I haven't seen this you know And this is what I care most deeply about, closing this gap and having this no longer be, you know, an experience of erasure, but an experience of celebration, you know? Mm -hmm. It's almost like all the lights illuminated, you know, like the circuit, like- The light bulb went off, like ding. All the little (laughs) thoughts I'd had in my past, all the little, you know, inspirations, the moments, like all of them kind of connected. And I was like, oh, this is it, you know, and like just doing more research on that, like all of that made me wake up to this thing, you know, reading that book and also realizing, I think on a deeper level that this was really transformational work, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think because of my nature, people would say like, oh, you should be a teacher. You should like, I don't know, work for the Peace Corps or something like that, (laughs) you know? Like, no, I'm supposed to be an entertainment, you know. Yeah, truthfully, it seemed a little like I don't know, like frou-frou or whatever, like Mm -hmm. just like fluff to be in this work. But when I went deeper, I was like, oh no, this is actually really transformational work. You know, this is like to see yourself identified and reflected and your experience reflected. Mm
0: -hmm. That's
1: actually a really validating important experiences far from just like a fleeting Hollywood, whatever thing, you know? Yeah. So after that, I was still dabbling in PR the whole time as I was running my company. But yeah, I started to kind of realize like, I want to go and really do this with a company that's been doing it for a bit. As much as I, you know, loved building mine in terms of doing that and really connecting, like, you know, I wasn't, 20 years old, just starting, like I wanted to really go somewhere where people could be mentors to me and where I could have a community and a network of people. And so yeah, I was able to get an introduction to three arts and three arts I hadn't heard of, because we're very much behind the scenes, you know, and really, truly, I think that if you're in the business, you know, and usually, if you're not in the business, you don't know, you know? Yeah. And so when I started looking up my favorite shows, I realized my favorite comedy shows, because that's also what I realized is that in working with Paloma, I was like, oh, it's comedy that I really want to do this through too because I grew up on all this comedy and that's the experience that I want to be transformation. I don't want us to be telling our sob stories as the means, you know? Mm -hmm. I want it to be through our joy. And so, yeah, I saw like all the shows that I love, The Office and all these shows were produced by Three Arts, And I also knew that I wanted to be a producer too. Like I knew that you know, I was more than a manager. I knew that I was more creative too. And so that like all the boxes checked off, like, okay, shows I love, we're managers, we're producers. Yeah. Like this is the place. And so thankfully I was able to get recommended to one of the managers at Three Yards by a great friend who's has her own show. Yeah. That kind of led into me
0: joining. I remember when I first met you, you were still an assistant when I met you. And yeah. to see you grow like year, two years later as like a full-fledged manager now yeah. with clients, with all these things going on, it's yeah. truly insane, like how much of a powerhouse you are and that you're still growing to be.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I mean, yeah, I came in, it was so crazy because like I wanted to get in however I could, you know, mm-hmm. and my colleagues that hired me were so gracious and they really wanted to give me the space to like, you know, learn and grow. And they were, they said, let's have you on a desk. Like, you know, I'm not a spring chicken, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, let's do that. And I think I was able to humble myself to know enough to say, yeah, I have to learn a little bit. I got to be on a desk for a little bit because this is a new language. This is a new environment, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like, by whatever means, you know, let's do it. And so, you know, it was always kind of like, let's do this for a little bit and then we'll have you kind of up and running, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thankful that we were able to do that in spite of the pandemic. (laughs) Oh, gosh. In a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm really thankful for everyone that, you know, supports my vision and the dream, you know?
0: I think so many people also underestimate the power it does have to be on a desk because it's a lot of work but you learned so much about the industry
1: oh totally
0: being on a desk it's truly like a crash course
1: yeah but even like something simple as submitting your writers you know and setting generals like and all these things like these small little things of just how even like how you make a phone call like how just people interact like it was all invaluable like I'm so thankful that I had that time you know
0: Yeah. So for our listeners out there who don't really know what a manager is or what a manager does, what's like the simplest term to explain what is a manager and how is that different from an agent?
1: Yeah. I mean, the way I define it, especially to my clients, is like I'm a partner to a client helping see their vision come to life. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm helping them make the best decisions for their career, looking at their career long term and helping them navigate everything, you know, and being their biggest advocate, you know. Mm -hmm. helping them connect to people in the industry, all of that. So an agent is really somebody who legally is to procure work for their clients, right? So Mm -hmm. a lot of times you'll see, you know, agents have like hundreds of clients, you know, because really they're coming in when they feel like that the client is getting jobs and they can get them more jobs, you know? Yeah. Something that my colleague says that I've kind of adapted to is like agents kind of, they know the town. So they know everything's going on, you know, they have the infrastructure to know everything that's going on in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. Like, who's HBO staffing for? Like, you know, what shows are looking for, you know, directors or whatever, you know, like they know the town in a very intricate way, because they have the bandwidth, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the managers know you the client, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of walk with you. There's more, you know, walking by your side and finessing the vision and truly being in partnership with you. But there's a lot of crossover and a lot of agents behave that way and a lot of a lot of agents and managers kind of swap these skill sets as well and these roles. So The lines have been blurred.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I think the pandemic has to do so much with that blurring, too. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the writers, agent strike that happened a little Mm -hmm. while back, too, also kind of helped to blur those lines. Yeah. So for you, then, you know, we talked about generals, submissions. What does a day as a manager look like for you? It's different every single day, which is part of the thrill.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it really just depends. So... Let me see. I'm just going to do like a typical day. So depending on what's going on, it's submitting my clients to get writing positions on shows, right? Mm -hmm. There's that. There's reading scripts to sign new folks, right? There's putting together shows and setting up pitches and practicing pitches with my clients as well to sell shows. There's giving my clients notes on their scripts and just showing them how to make, you know, things better. There's truly also just like looking bigger picture of like, what opportunities can we get our clients, you know, and I do, I don't like to publicize this, but I do do a little, you know, PR work, just because I have that skill. So sometimes it's also just getting some press attention to my clients, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. like my main role. And, you know, I try to not blur those lines. But there's also a little bit of that, you know, yeah, especially, you know, younger clients that, maybe don't have that budget, there's a little bit of that too, you know? Yeah. A budget to get uh, somebody dedicated to press. You know, there's making a lot of phone calls, you know, (laughs) pitching stuff to executives. There's going on, you know, a lot of meetings and Zooms, you know, with executives that I want to work with. Yeah, there's all of that. There's inviting, you know, executives to my client events.
0: It's a crazy, crazy life being a manager you have to honestly wear so many hats like it's truly insane like how many roles you pack into one yeah titular you know position a hundred percent yeah it's wild it's wild so I know you talked a little bit about you know you dedicate your time to reading for new clients and searching for new clients what does that process look like and how do you know when you found someone special oh that's a great question
1: So I get a lot of recommendations from my colleagues. You know, there's a lot of programs that I look into as well, like competitions and stuff like that, that I'll, you know, scout clients like that. My clients will send me friends of theirs as well. So I find clients like that. And a lot of times too, like I'll just be like scouring TikTok and, you know, Instagram and just like seeing who, you know, sparks something in me. And I think specifically when it comes to writers, I have to just be moved, you know? Like, if I laugh out loud with the script, you got me, you know? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. and that's hard, you know? That's hard to do, like, especially when you're reading scripts all the time. It's hard to make someone laugh. So, I think for me, it's really important that the stories obviously be funny, that they be interesting and different, but also grounded. And in one way or another, pushing culture forward. I think those are really important things for me. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's so interesting. And I know that you said, you know, before we jumped on, you mentioned that you're expanding from representing solely writers to a lot of multi-hyphenates. Yeah. So how has that been? And, you know, that search process and working with newer talents that do things that you might not have been working with before?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're kind of known as a company for our multi hyphenates, right? Like Issa Rae and Tina, you know, and, yep. you know, all of these amazing people that we work with. Like, it's such an inspiration to see how possible it is and all the opportunities. So, for me, honestly, it takes me back to my music days because that's kind of, you know, a lot of, well, not a lot, but if a couple of my clients have, you know, aspirations on the music side. And so it's kind of dipping back into that world and those skills (laughs) and those contacts. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I think I always want to bring it back to like, okay, you know, we want to create visibility in Hollywood and TV and film. Like, that's what we want to do. Like, granted, I'll do, you know, I'm a, like I said, I'm a partner to my clients. I want to make their dreams come true, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also want to direct them and like really, push on to the things that I feel like they can shine in the best way, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. For me, it's not that foreign to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I think running my own company, that's what I was doing. I think working in the music side, you're just on the PR, you know, you're doing a little bit of everything, you know? It's just the nature of the business. And I think now, especially more than ever, Talent artists, they want to have or need to have from a financial standpoint, their feet in a little bit of everything, you know, it's just kind of what it is like, you need to be skilled in multiple things to hope to make it, you know,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. so it's definitely not for the faint of heart. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's work, but it's exciting work. And I think always looking for ways to maximize your artist's. God given gifts, you know.
0: Yeah, is always exciting, you know. And I know that you represent a lot of women of color on your roster. Yeah. So I can imagine, you know, pushing these women forward who might not have had the opportunity or even the recognition, yeah, to get into the roles that we're pushing them for is such a huge reward for you. A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, that's the reason why I'm here. If I'm not doing that, I don't need to be here. You know. <laughs>
0: yep. Exactly. But-
1: That's Literally it, like, I could be doing other work. But the reason I'm here, why I was, you know, inspired to come into this industry was to create opportunity, you know, especially for women of color, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. That's what brings me, you know, satisfaction.
0: I love that. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people who want to become managers or who at least want to go into representation? Yeah, I would say, look, there are no rules, you know, (laughs) there's certain
1: rules, there's certain things that you learn. And I think mentorship is always really important. But the number one thing is that you just have to be crazy about the talent that you're working with, you know, you just have to love their voice, you have to love what they're putting out into the world. And you find the best opportunities to showcase that, you know, Mm -hmm. It's really about being passionate about the people that you're working with and I think leaving no stone left unturned. I think that's really a big one where I think a lot of times we'll have a little inkling of, oh, this might be a good idea. And then you might not necessarily pursue that, pursue that thing, you know, oh, maybe I should call this person. And that's like a little buzz in your ear that you, have yeah, call that person. (laughs) Call that person. There's a reason why you have that instinct to call that person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really about I think, yeah, understanding how to grow these relationships. I think, you know, and I learned this from being on the PR side. It's just like you might be calling somebody a hundred times and then it's on the hundred and one time that they're like, Oh, hey like, I'll pay attention to you now. And then you have like a lifelong friend after that. And that's true story happened to me (laughs) (laughs) with many people. And so like, I think it's just being persistent, but always kind, and always direct and, you know, coming at it with confidence, you have something that people want, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be my advice. You know, and look at how other people are doing it, you know?
0: Yeah, no, it's truly a business that you know, even though you're under the umbrella of a company, it's really your own business and the way you dictate it and everyone dictates it differently.
1: Yeah. And when you figure that out and when you stop needing permission to make choices, I think that's when it starts becoming more fun. You know? Yeah. I think you have to give yourself permission to take really big swings. And I'll say that, you know, especially for the community that's listening to this, I think We can't be afraid of taking really big swings, you know? And that's like a moment-to-moment exercise, right? Of like, let's do the thing that's scary, you know? Let's do the thing that feels the most risky, you know? Yeah. Because everything is going to be a learning experience, you know? One of the partners of the company told me that, and it stayed with me too. It's like, everything's a learning experience, you know? (laughs) And it might have seemed like something not that, you know, whatever, original to say, but the truth is, it is, you know? hmm. Like everything's a learning experience. Like you're going to learn from trying to sell a show. You're going to learn even if the show doesn't sell, you know? Yeah. You're going to learn from putting together a tour f- for a client. You're going to learn even if the tour, you know, is not like freaking, you know, for
0: stadiums, you know, it's,
1: it's not Beyonce. <laughs> it's not Beyonce but you're going to learn putting a tour together. You just have to kind of start.
0: Oh, my gosh. You have dropped <laughs> so so many gems on here today like truly you are a boss bitch and amazing just uh, oh, I'm so happy that I was able to talk to you today
1: thank you thank you I really appreciate it I loved having this conversation with you you know how I feel about you yeah generally <laughs> <laughs> oh well thank you so much for coming on absolutely this was a blast
0: and for all you folks listening out there, please make sure to follow us at EntertainX now on all social media platforms and be sure to tune in next time for another episode of entertain Take care guys.